When you hear the word thanksgiving, what comes to mind? For most of my life, the word immediately brought to my mind's eye a huge turkey, roasted golden brown. Next, I saw potatoes, stuffing, peas and onions, gravy, and of course, pumpkin pie. Then I saw children and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles happily gathered around the table. Of course, I was thinking of the famous Norman Rockwell painting rather than any family I've actually ever been acquainted with. Then there was the tableau of pilgrims and Wampanoags gathered around the table at the first Thanksgiving feast. In recent years, yet another image has come to mind, Native Americans massing in Plymouth, Massachusetts for a national day of mourning. Mourning for their ancestors and the theft of their lands. I wonder if so many European Americans like me love the story of pilgrims and Indians sharing the first Thanksgiving because it embodies the fleeting promise of peace and friendship between Native Americans and Europeans. All of us know, e even, even the children dressed up as pilgrims and Indians in a Thanksgiving pageant, even they know it didn't turn out that well. So, so we cling perhaps even more wistfully to the story and turn our faces from the truth. The story I tell this morning I learned from Chuck Larson, a teacher and historian of Ojibwa and Iroquois heritage. When the pilgrims arrived in 1620, the fields and forests were already dotted with villages of the Wampanoag people. They lived in round-roofed houses of birch bark. They fished in the rivers and hunted deer in the forests. They called the turtle, the deer, and the fish their kin. Everything in nature they respected as an equal. How strange it must have been for them to see a pilgrim ship on the horizon. Did they feel excitement, fear, joy? Whatever they felt, the Wampanoags knew what it was like to go hungry and they always shared with any guest whatever food they had. Without their help, the pilgrims might not have survived. Their wheat wouldn't grow in the rocky Plymouth soil. Nearly half of them died their first winter here. Then a Wampanoag named Tisquantum decided to help them. Tisquantum, called Squanto by the British, had sailed to England 15 years earlier with the explorer John Weymouth, who became a friend. But after returning to New England, Tisquantum was captured by a British slaver who sold him into slavery in the Spanish Caribbean. Miraculously, Tisquantum made his way back to England and found John Weymouth, who paid his way back to Massachusetts. After his narrow escape, no one could have blamed Tisquantum for hating white people. But that wasn't Tisquantum's way. Rather than let the pilgrims starve, he taught them how to survive. 
He brought them deer meat and beaver skins. He taught them to plant corn, to use fish for fertilizer, to build sturdy houses. He showed them which plants would harm and which would heal. He showed them how to dig for clams and to get sap from maple trees. By autumn, with Tisquantum's help, the pilgrims had recovered their strength. In England, they had traditionally given thanks for the autumn harvest and celebrated with a feast. So the pilgrim captain, Miles Standish, invited Tisquantum and the Wampanoag leaders, Samoset and Massasoit, to bring their families to a Thanksgiving meal. The pilgrims didn't know that Wampanoags celebrated not just one Thanksgiving, but six to mark the changing season, the maple dance, the planting feast, the strawberry festival, the green corn festival, the harvest festival, and the midwinter festival. When the Wampanoags joined the pilgrims in the first Thanksgiving, it was already their fifth Thanksgiving of the year. Pilgrims also had no idea how large Wampanoag families were. Of course, there are many definitions of family. Expecting just three families, the pilgrims were stunned when 90 Wampanoags arrived for the feast. Realizing that their hosts did not have enough food for so many, Massasoit sent some of his people home for more. In the end, the guests provided most of the feast, five deer, turkeys, fish, beans, squash, corn soup, cornbread, and berries. Captain Standish sat at one end of a long table, and the chief Massasoit sat at the other end. Since Wampanoags usually ate on mats or furs on the ground, it must have felt odd to sit at a table and probably pretty uncomfortable. The Wampanoag men and women ate together while the pilgrim women stood aside and waited until their men had finished, as was their custom. The feast lasted three days. Then Massasoit and Miles Standish promised peace and friendship between their people. And the Wampanoags agreed to let the pilgrims build their new town of Plymouth on Wampanoag land. Plymouth, of course, still stands. But the peace and friendship of that Thanksgiving did not last. Hungry and frightened, the pilgrims welcomed the Wampanoags and their help. Once safe and well-fed, the pilgrims looked down on the Wampanoags as savages. They told them Indian ways were wrong. They told them they had to accept the Christian religion. More and more ships brought more and more settlers. Now they didn't want the Wampanoags' help. They wanted their land, and they took it. The Wampanoags fought back. Within a few years of that first shared Thanksgiving, the children of the pilgrims and the Wampanoags, who had broken bread together, were killing each other in King Philip's war. So I find in the history of Thanksgiving at least two lessons, one easy and one hard. The easy one we all know that 
whatever our nation or race or religion or language, we are all one family. And we have to help one another. Easy to know, harder sometimes to practice. The still harder lesson is that pride and greed and violence are part of our history and part of our character. And if we do not value peace and compassion more than security and religious certainty, we will not be giving thanks, but shedding tears over broken promises and bloodshed. As we sit down to our Thanksgiving meals, if we are fortunate enough to have a Thanksgiving meal, let us remember the meal shared by pilgrims and Wampanoags in gratitude and hope. Let us remember the joy and promise of that moment and the sorrow to come. Let us remember that our future is held in the balance of love and fear. Let us choose love. Amen, Ashe, and blessed be.